Let us go to the word of the Lord this morning. If you might stand for the reading of God's word, and I'll move through it um, pretty quickly because I, I got a few extra verses here, but I wanted us to see something. Genesis 13, 10 through 13. Lot took a long time to look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zor. The whole area was watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and his servants. He parted company with his uncle Abraham. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against God. Genesis 14 and 12. They also captured Lot, Abram's nephew, who lived in Sodom and carried off everything he owned. Genesis 19 and 16. When Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hands and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city for the Lord was merciful. Let us pray. Be merciful to us, O God, as we experience your mercy and redemption. Amen. You might be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to say thanks first to Pastor Steve in his absence and to the church family for just being so loving and so supporting and allowing other preachers to preach. Amen. That doesn't always happen at, at churches. But I must admit, I'll be missing a few amens this morning. Normally, I'm not thinking about whether you are paying attention or even interacting with me, to be honest, because I have my literal own amen corner. Pops will preach with you. He will preach beside you. He will preach ahead of you. Now, I don't want you to say amen if you don't agree or hear the truth. So if you hear the truth today, I'm going to invite you to say one of two things, either amen preacher or ouch preacher. <laughs> While thinking of the subject for today, one I, I got from a roommate, a roommate in college. His name was Dr. Christopher Davis, and he did a title of, of a sermon that just blew my mind. And we were still in college. It said, you can learn a lot from a dummy. But since we have children here today, I hate for the only word and phrase that you will be talking about around your dinner tables is dummy. So maybe we'll tag team preach that another day or do that some other day. But our subject for today is the redemptive side of oops. For my old converts, there was a song that had a line that said, oops, I did it again. For everyone else, you've heard this phrase. You've used this phrase before whether you are a child or a teenager or an adult. The concept of oops is fairly simple. Oops is used to signify, I know it's wrong and I'm gonna do it anyway. Oops, I forgot to take out the trash. Oops, I didn't take the bread out the oven in time. Oops, you told me to pick up something from the store. Oops, someone backed the trailer into a car because they took the park brake off on a hill. Oops. Someone drove a truck on a football field and did donuts while the football team was practicing. 
oops is a very common one-word phrase in the English language. Our brother Lot found himself, he found himself in a lot of oops situations. But let's examine this morning so we can see, just for a few minutes, so we can see exactly what the Lord wants to say to us about how to live a more oops-free life. The first thing I want us to see, looking at the scripture, don't look at the wrong thing for a long time. If you got your notes out, you can go ahead and start scribbling or throwing them on your, on your phones or whatever. Don't look at the wrong thing for, the wrong, for a long time. Scripture says he took a long look. Now, for my saints that play cards, we have a statement. We say when you study long, you study, study wrong. Lot found himself in an oops situation right here. Looking at something for a long time doesn't mean you'll know any more about it than when you started looking at it from whatever time period that was. Lot took all the time that he thought he needed to look at that situation or to figure out what he thought was right. And it reminds me of a story of the farmer and the tractor. And some of you probably heard this story before, but there was a farmer that had an old tractor. He would fix the tractor on occasion before being able to use it. The farmer got up every day at five o'clock. One morning, the tractor would not start. He looked at the tractor until six o'clock. He thought to himself, I'll call someone at seven o'clock. Seven came, he still hadn't called anyone. Eight came, nine came, 10 came. He still hadn't called anyone. Now it's 11 o'clock and the farmer had spent six hours and the tractor still hadn't moved. Now, after all the farmer, after all of that, the farmer doesn't know anybody. So not only did he not know how to fix the tractor, but he doesn't even know anybody that knows how to fix the tractor. So he called a friend, and that friend knew exactly who to call. He calls, the farmer has the man come over. The old man arrives with no tools, no boxes, no parts. He looks at one side for two or three minutes. Then he looks at the other side for two or three minutes. He goes back to the first side again and looks for a few more minutes and scratches his head. By this time, the farmer's getting upset because he's, hey, I need, this, I need it fixed. The old man asked the farmer if he had a screwdriver. He said, I do. He said, let me have your screwdriver. He took the screwdriver. He reached in, turned one screw, told him to jump on the tractor and hit it. And everybody knows in the country when you tell somebody to hit it, that means turn it on. The farmer turns on the tractor. It starts immediately. The man being excited, he jumped off the tractor and said, how much do I owe you? The old man said, $100. The farmer was livid. He was upset. He said, you were only here for 10 minutes. And the old man said, honestly, it's $5 for the labor, but $95 for knowing which screw to turn. It's not about how we view the situation but it's about how God views the situation and having the right perspective and being able to fix your situation. The creed of the believers, we walk by faith and not by sight. This was Lot's first oops because he looked at the situation. He thought he could make the right determination for which way to go. That brings us right into number two. We should seek the counsel of an all-knowing and almighty God. If you don't know, why not ask somebody? 
Why not ask God? Lot never consulted God. He thought he had made a rational decision. Proverbs 14 and 20 says this, there is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is destruction. We have to move quickly. (laughs) Genesis 14 and 12, they also captured Lot, Abraham's nephew, who lived in Sodom and carried off everything he owned. Oops, again. So Lot makes the mistake of moving close to Sodom. Lot was captured by the enemy. Abraham puts together an all-star team and retrieves his nephew and all their families and possessions. After he rescues Lot, Lot moves closer to the trouble. Oops again. Saints, when we are rescued from huge messes or even the smallest mess, let us please take time and consider this thought. I will move as far away from that situation as I possibly can. Can you imagine how Abram felt when Lot moved back to Sodom again? Now, I'm I'm gonna share something with you that I had not really gleaned from this text before. And the first thing I wanna say is, aren't you glad that God isn't like man? Aren't you glad that God isn't like man? Let me tell you something. If you get out of something, then if if I help you get out of something, then you go back to the same place and get into it again. Saints, y'all know how we are. We'll just tell somebody, just lose my number. Don't call me, don't bother me, don't ask me. I'm not bringing a Calvary, I'm not bringing a posse. No, we are not doing anything for people that go back to the same thing again. Notice here in the scripture, it says, He talked to God. Abram just talked to God. That's what he did. He had a conversation with God. And so it seems like Abraham is much like, he's much like us. He just talks to God and just says, well, hey, brother, I'm going to pray for him down there. I'm going to intercede for you there. Uncle Abraham asked God to save the city, and you got to keep reading through that. It's just a Genesis 13 through about 19, beautiful story, beautiful story. You have to go home today, and you'll get a chance to, to read it or whatever. But Abraham pleads with God, hey, will you save the city for 50? Then we have to go down. Well, 40, well, 30, and then the number keeps dropping down. Will you save it for just a few righteous people? And, and we already know. This brings us to our next point. Number three, someone else is praying and speaking to God on our behalf. Sometimes God speaks, he answers, and he acts on our behalf even when we don't ask or want him to. God is constantly, constantly speaking and answering and doing acts on our behalf even when we don't ask him or want him to. Somebody in history has prayed for you. Somebody in history has prayed for me. God and Abram have a long talk about the city. And I'm just going to tell you, for those that haven't read the story, the quota was not met. The two angels came to tell Lot to get everything and everyone they know together because the city is going to be destroyed. Now, Lot wants to prepare a meal. Now, I know some of y'all saints like to eat. 
And so you'll be okay with that. But if someone told me they're going to destroy the city, I probably, the first thing in my, in my mind is not, let's eat. Let's just pack up and we'll eat in the next city. In Genesis 19 and 16, Lot still hesitated. Even after that, the angel seized his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city for the Lord was merciful. Lot almost loses his life and his wife does lose her life. Oops, again. Because something behind her calls her to look. She wanted to see what's behind. But that's not how this story ends though. There is a redemptive side to oops. I know some of you all are wondering, Pastor, are you going to leave the story right there? And then the answer is no. I'm going to be like Paul Harvey. Let's give you the rest of the story. The scripture says the Lord was merciful. So what is it about this redemptive side of oops? Let me share it with you. Here's, here's the secret or whatever your denomination is. This might be a shouting point for you. But if you're able to say oops then you have another opportunity. If you're able to say oops, on the other side of that oops is another chance to get it right. My oops, your oops, everyone oops, they don't have to end the story. If we're able to say oops, then on the other side of that, there's an opportunity. Second Peter says this, and I wanted to definitely leave us on an encouraging word. God saved Lot. He was a man who did what was right. He was shocked by the dirty, sinful ways of the people who did not obey God's law. That good man lived among them day after day. He saw and heard the evil things they were doing. They were breaking God's law, and his godly spirit was deeply troubled. I want to declare to you today, oops will not determine my outcome in life. Oops should not control your destiny. Oops shouldn't keep us as believers from loving humanity and serving humanity as God has called us to. Oops will not cause me to mistreat or hate anyone. Missy Baker sings a song here and it's as long as I have breath. Oops is not the end. Don't let the story end with your oops or my oops because there is a redemptive side to the oops. In your life, I know for all of us, we've all faced moments where, honestly, we thought the oops was the end. But we're all sitting here today. Which means that God is able to take us through those oops situations. 